Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast, where we take a look at the UK's ice hockey leagues. We're sponsored by Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs. Check them out. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Third Period Podcast. Tonight I have Scott, Ross and Ash with me and I hope they're all okay. Tonight's guest played for the Flynn Flon Bombers, the Humboldt Broncos, in his early days. He also played in the AHL with the Ardenock Phantoms and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Played the ECHL with the Orlando Solar Blares, Reading Royals, South Carolina Stingrays, Indy Fuel and Tulsa Oilers. Had a season in Hungary before playing two seasons in France with Chamonix and Bordeaux. A season with the Coventry Blaze, our favourite team, and back in Bordeaux for this current COVID season. We welcome Andrew Johnston. Andrew, how are you? I'm good, man. It makes me sound pretty old when you list off that many teams. I, that, was, that was a lot. I guess I've travelled around a bit. Some good teams in there. Though. There's some teams that I actually knew this time when I was looking through them. <laughs> the Broncos, the Oilers, <laughs> Indy Fuel, Stingray. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll get the obvious question out of the way. Obviously, was hockey always a dream for yourself or was it something you took up and then as you started playing more and more, you just discovered as you got older, this is something you want to go pro with? Well, I think for every like young boy in Canada, I think it's your dream to play in the NHL one day. And um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Like I've, I've been playing for like pro, this is my ninth year, I think. And uh, I mean, if you could ask me that when I was five years old or something, I would, I would chomp at the bit for that. Like I'd be ecstatic. Um, so I'm very grateful for what uh, hockey's done for me in the career I've had. But um, that being said, like, as I grew older, I kind of, questioned if I would ever make it if I could have a career in this uh, maybe I should go to school maybe I should pursue something else um, but no my passion is with hockey and I'm, I'm happy I stuck it out and, and saw where the path took me so in your first season in 06-07 you uh, played for your hometown uh, Scanston uh, contact under 18s what was it like um, for you as a kid pl- being able to play for your hometown and getting involved in hockey? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like uh, a really good program in Saskatoon. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of successful players go through there. So you saw like both Luke Shen, Braden Shen. Um, I don't know. Jared, Jared Cowan went through there too. Uh, just, these are just guys kind of around my, my age and uh, guys make it to the NHL sort of, but for me, it was really cool to play at home because, um, you know, I get to live at home with my parents, my family. And also when you, when you go play the games, you have all your high school buddies come watch and, and cheering you on. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like when you, when you score or something the next day you go to school and, all your buddies are like, wow, like that was a sick goal last night. And you kind of feel like a big dog at school. So, uh, no, that was kind of a cool experience. And I liked it. So you say you obviously played uh, in your first season along Brendan Chen. What was, could you see the difference in the skill level? Did you think, oh, this, he's going to have a good future ahead of him? Or was he obviously, obviously he was young still at that time? Or could you, could you see that he was uh, going to be a standout player? Yeah, yeah. So we're actually, we're the same age. We grew up um, playing against each other kind of our whole life. And 
I mean, even from a young age, I think I was like nine years old. And I, I mean, this guy just dominated, dominated the, the city league. And I remember telling my dad, like, uh, like this guy, do you think he's going to go to the NHL? And my dad was like, well, he's, he's a special talent. Like there's definitely a chance. We'll have to just, you have to just see like that sort of thing. So from a young age, you could tell he was, he was special. Um, there's a few guys my age from that city that ended up making it to the NHL. So, um, I mean, it, it tells a lot for the program in Saskatoon and the minor hockey and, um, but then kind of as you get older, um, the gap uh, shrinks and you notice that players are, you know, they have good skills and all this, but uh, yeah, like I said, the gap shrinks. So now he's not as fast as everybody, everybody's catching up. So you, you rely on other skills that kind of set you apart. And uh, I guess it's just kind of polishing your game. Like you have a good shot, a good skate, good. You think the game well, like that's kind of what sets you apart. I think uh, the higher, higher you uh, climb the ranks. So going back to when you said about um, going to school the next day and saying, oh, what a goal I scored, blah, blah. Uh, did you ever miss much school through like an injury that you caught in any of the games? Um, no, no, I was pretty fortunate. I didn't have many injuries until I went, actually in my first year pro, I don't, I don't think I would have missed almost any games in, in junior or in midget. Um, no, but that being said, like, uh, uh, I think in grade 10 and 11, I was trying to get my classes done early so that I could play junior at 18. And so then I guess in my final year with the contacts, I only had like a half, half uh, course load at school. So I had, I had even less that I would have had to miss. And then uh, the following season, you played four, 40 games. And then you also got four games playing for Flynn Flon Bombers. What was the reason for the four games uh, in Flynn Flon? Um, I think just experience. Um, it's kind of unique in Canada. If you play major junior, you get protected by this team and you have only one option if you want to play major junior. But if you want to play junior A, um, you're protected by one team in your province. So me, I was protected from Flin Flon. So if I wanted to play junior A, that was the only team I could play for. But there's a loophole when you turn 18, you kind of become a free agent. So you can go to other regions of Canada. You can go to British Columbia, all this, like you're no longer protected. Um, so yeah, they had my rights and I wanted to experience playing junior A. And, and obviously for them too, they wanted to show me a good experience for playing for the Bombers. So in hopes that when I did turn 18, I would come and play for them, which is, which was the case. Cause I think they have a great program, the great coaches, staff, uh, a lot of, a lot of history in that, in that city too. Um, and yeah, they did a good job and I got some good experience playing with the older guys. Yeah. Cause obviously you uh, played two seasons uh, for the Bombers how, how did you find the um, difference in the level between uh, Saskatoon and the Bombers? Uh, it's a big step. It's a big step up because, I mean, if I go just my last year, I'm the oldest guy in that league, or I'm the oldest age in that league, and now I go and I'm the youngest in this next league. And you really see a difference in size. You have 16-year-old kind of boys, and then now you've got 21-year-old men that you're playing against. So 
just the physical physical difference is, is huge. And then also um, it's kind of the start of turning pro because you now I'm not living at home. I'm living with a billet family. Um, I have different, I have different rules, different structure and a different lifestyle. Like I'm not going to school every day. I'm in my case, I was, I was taking some university classes online, but, uh, it's just getting used to a whole different, different lifestyle and, uh, trying to have success against the bigger, bigger guys and, and moving on from there. I mean, your second season, uh, with the Bombers was a good season. You uh, ended up getting second All-Stars uh, in the second All-Stars team. So that must have been a proud moment for obviously all your efforts uh, during your junior career life. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. I think both my years in Flint Flon, I, I did well. I really enjoyed playing there. Um, yeah, to get second team All-Star, it's a good accomplishment for my second year, but uh I'm not sure. I think maybe I, looking back, I feel like I underachieved at the same time because we had a really, really strong team my first year and we lost out in the first round. And then the same thing my second year, we we weren't that successful too. So um, I guess that kind of led me to, not led me to believe, but uh, the program was maybe not going to be as strong the next year. And there was an option um, to play closer to home in Humboldt. So maybe that kind of steered me to, I, I kind of asked for a trade to move to Humboldt. And also they were hosting the national championship that year. So it was going to make the best chance for me to stand out on the national stage and earn, earn a college scholarship or in my case, earn an NHL contract. So I was just, I was just about to speak about the Humboldt Broncos, obviously because you spent most of it with um, Saskatoon and then obviously the Bombers. And then uh, that last season of your junior career, you spent with the Humboldt Broncos. How did you, um, so you moved obviously because of um, getting closer to home and that. Did you feel like that was like um, the best move for you at the time? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was tough to leave, tough to leave Flint Flon just because you develop relationships with the staff, the, the, your friends there, your teammates, and like, honestly, like the fans in the city, everything's really close knit. So it was, it was hard to leave and I was sad to leave, but I knew that the opportunity to play in Humboldt for such a strong team that year, um, I couldn't pass it up because um, yeah, just the opportunity to play and, and, and hopefully win a championship with them was just, it just outweighed the, the negatives. So you move into your pro career, Andrew. Um, so you signed with the, the Philly Flyers. Uh, what was your the contract you went in on on that when you, when you signed? I, I signed a three year entry level. Yeah. So basically, you have um, the way the contract structured is you have like kind of two pay scales. So you have one if you're going to play in the NHL, you're going to make the maximum a rookie can make is nine. 925, I think it was 925,000. But then if you're not in the NHL, you have a different salary that you're going to make if you play in either the AHL or the ECHL. So this was, this was me. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was still, it was still uh, quite lucrative for a 21 year old kid. So it was, uh, it was nice to have 
some security, like job security in my first year pro that I know I have three years kind of to kind of to prove my worth and, and uh, show my value. So in your first year, you'd spend uh, a lot of your time in the AHL, the Adirondack Phantoms, and then playing some games for the Trenton Titans. So to go and play in Adirondack, do you have to go to the AHL camp to, for them to look at you? Or is it they pretty much know where, where you're going to slot in for that year? Yeah, so this year was really, uh, I mean, for me, it was, it was shitty um, because it was the NHL lockout. Yeah. So before I signed, normally, like, they don't say you're, yeah, you're guaranteed to play in the American League, but they say, like, you're slated here. You're going to be, like, uh, I was a point guy in junior, so I'm going to have, like, I'm going to have to earn it, but I'm going to have a role of being the same role I had in junior. And instead of that, I think we had like nine young guys, like the Flyers had like eight or nine young guys, like Braden Shen, Sean Couturier, uh, I don't know, like, I, I can't remember, Zach Ronaldo, like kind of a bunch, bunch of guys that were like NHL regulars at a young age, but they were on um, entry level deals, which mean that they can go AHL and NHL. So because it's a lockout, now we have nine uh, NHL players that are all pegged ahead of me. And I bumped down and I mean, for me, it was pretty successful to make the American League starting roster uh, out of junior A, but I mean, I expected it out of myself, but now I found myself in a role I'd never played in my life. I was on the fourth line, asked to kind of like hit, bring energy, like fight if I need to, that sort of thing. And it was something maybe I wasn't prepared, prepared for. So it was, it was difficult for me. I don't want to use this word, but do you think that hindered you going forward in the, the fact a bit of resentment that you wanted to be playing top lines, but you're having to play fourth line? And then going into the second season, obviously the lockout's finished. How were you thoughts going into that second season with Adirondack? And where where did you see yourself in the lineup? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, I would say it hindered me to kind of a like stunt, stunt my growth almost for a year. But I mean, the biggest hindrance I had that year was I got a, I never really had one before, but I got a really bad concussion and I missed, I think like two months. And then I kind of had lingering symptoms for the rest of the year. So I returned to play. I think I returned in the East coast league and then I just like, wasn't right. So they ended up shutting me down for the rest of the year. And then kind of get my try and get my head back to normal to come back and start the next year, which I did. So I came to camp the next year, ready to go. And um, they put me right into the East coast league uh, kind of, you know, like to get playing time and build confidence and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a tough first year, but like still, still a good experience. And I learned a lot of like great coaches and great teammates to learn from and stuff like that. I noticed in the, the third year of your contract, the you actually the team actually relocate to the Lehigh and the Reading Royals. What's that like? Because they're not exactly next door to each other. It's a good four hours away. Um, so did you enjoy your new experience or was it a bit like, oh, I'm having to get up and go? Uh, no. I, if you ask anybody that's been there, like Adirondack versus Lehigh Valley, you went from kind of like an old like shittier rink and then you went to a brand new like 285 million dollar facility that was like top of the top in the american league it was i'm the facility was unbelievable so 
no, everybody was, everybody was really happy to go there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Reading, Reading, it wasn't too far away too. So when you were going up and down, like you had uh, either you had an apartment in Lehigh Valley and then the teams had apartments in Reading. So it really wasn't, it wasn't uh, too hard. If you went up and down, it wasn't too far. You weren't taking a plane. You were just taking a couple hour car ride. And then obviously the end of those three years, uh, you then go to an ECHL. What was going through your head at the end of those three years? Was there any talk of you maybe going back to the AHL or did you know that the, the East Coast was the route you were having to take? Um, I knew the type of player I was. I was a point guy and I was kind of given, I don't know, I was kind of given different roles in my three years and, and never really put up points in those first three years. So, I mean, I knew I had to prove myself at the East Coast level to move back up to the American League and I was prepared to do that. I went and I'm going to South Carolina, loved it there, had a, had a great start to the season. And I think like six or seven games in, my parents just got to, came down to South Carolina to visit and it was the first game of three this weekend. And this guy, he turned the corner and the, he got like a suicide pass. And I was came like flying off the bench. And I don't want to even hit this guy because it's going so, he's coming so fast. I know it's going to hurt, but I have to, I'm pumped up. So I, I drop him, but his helmet hits me in the jaw. I get another concussion, end up missing like three months. And the same story as the first year, come back, not ready play a bit, get shut down, don't finish the year sort of thing. And so um, after that, it was maybe set sails across uh, to Europe to, to try not to get hit and, and, uh, and start scoring again. Like you had quite a few knocks in your career in North America, because I think every hockey fan is guilty at looking at elite prospects and bringing up stats and go, okay, he scored a lot in junior, then why, why wasn't he scoring? And yeah. everyone is guilty of it. And, but then when you listen to talking to the players, it just yeah. shows that these, there are reasons for these things and not to believe elite prospects. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can because everybody's got... I mean, there's things you can and can't control. So uh, if you end up on a team where the coach does not see you as a point guy and you're put on the fourth line and you're playing with two heavyweight fighters chances are you're not going to score points playing with these two guys. Like these guys have like rocks for hands, you know? So uh, um, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to read into it on elite prospects. You don't know the situation each guy is, but I mean, you still have, you put in that role. If you're a player, you're, you're going to put up points. I think um, you're going to make a way for yourself. So, so I wouldn't say it's, it's the worst thing to look at elite prospects, but I guess for me, if you see, and I didn't put up points there, and then I come to um, Europe and I'm putting up more points than guys who did put up points in the American League or something like that, then it, it just goes to show you kind of maybe this guy was in the right spot at the right time, or maybe I was in the wrong spot at the, at the wrong time too. So, so after your up and down seasons, obviously with concussion and that, you decided to head to Europe and you went to Hungary and played for a season with DVTK Jäger Medvig. Hopefully I said that right. How did this move happen for, for yourself? Uh, honestly, I was kind of waiting around. I had a couple of deals in Germany and one in France that um, we were kind of like eating and eyeing about me and my agent. And then 
um, one of my friends that I played with before he was on this team in Hungary and he said, Johnny, like, you got to come here. We got a, a great team, great group of five imports. Like it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and um, I was just waiting around. Like, I think they were in the training camp for like a month and I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Like, so I just kind of packed up in a matter of like a couple of days and flew over. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. We had, a, we had a ton of fun this year. Our team was unreal. We, I think we won the league. We won the playoffs. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Must have been a special moment winning uh, a lot of trophies there then. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was a different experience though because uh, you have like – everything's structured in the American league or the East coast league and everybody speaks English. And then you go here and you've got 75% of your team speaking Hungarian. And, and then even after the game, say you lose a game, then the general manager comes into the room. He rips off Hungarian screaming at the guys for like five minutes. And then you look around at the captain for a translation and he just says, we play like shit tonight, go home. And it's like, the guy just talked for five minutes. Like he didn't just say you play like shit. <laughs> so obviously, when you go there, like obviously, like you said, the, the language. Do uh, obviously you five imports? If you're all like Canadian or American, do you all tend to stick together as a bunch and go around the city looking at? Yeah. And yeah. So that that's exactly how it is. And then you have the international breaks. Didn't really have them in the UK, but uh, you have a break in November and January. So you can go travel around like first time in Europe. You can go see some different cities. Uh, ironically, I actually came the first break. We came to London. And looking back, I, I probably wouldn't have flown to London knowing I was going to live in Coventry, 50-minute train from there. But uh, maybe, maybe it helped me come to the UK, I guess, and play there eventually. But, yeah, you definitely get – close really close to those five guys like i still have a group chat with uh, these five guys and um we, yeah we we actually talked quite a bit and uh i mean it helps that it was a special year and made a really good team and and everything like that but but that being said the the hungarian guys we hung out a lot with too um i wouldn't say all of them spoke some english but a few of them spoke really good english um and they helped show us around. They showed us some things around in Hungary too, uh, where to party and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, fun times. So, did you uh, learn any lingo at all while you were there? In Hungary, yeah, uh, a little bit. But man, it's a it's a language that even I mean, if you're you're there for one year, you just learn like the Kosanom Sepen, like thank you and and how to order food and stuff like that. But it's not really going to translate to any career that I could see moving on like I'm not going to be a Hungarian English translator or something like this but um, you try to make an effort in the country and um, what I thought was cooler more was learning like some of their customs and 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 parts of their cultures and stuff I thought that was cool I mean when I was uh, having a look at um, how you pronounce your guest Medvig and it's come up and it says oh translation is polar bears and I thought yeah well, it's easy just to say polar bear, surely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yegish Medvek. Oh, is that how you say it, yeah? Yeah, and actually I had my team car had a huge polar bear on it, the decal. So anytime I drove around town, they would know, like, this is Johnston. 
<laughs> Fantastic. They'll know yeah. if you come in then. Um, so obviously, I don't really know much about the Hungarian league. So what would you? Uh, how was the Hungarian league compared to the East Coast and the AHL and all that? How would you say it compares? Uh to the American League and the East Coast League, I think when when I went, it's like substantially easier. Um, but that being said, it there's 12 teams in the league and the top eight teams, it was really competitive. Like every game was fun. But the bot, but the thing that sets this league down is the bottom four teams were so bad. Like there was a team, a couple teams in Romania that just sucked. Like I hated playing these games. I'm not good in big blowouts, like 12, nothing games. I think I would finish with like one assist. Meanwhile, some of the Hungarian guys are just racking up like eight or nine points. Um, but whatever, you got to win this game, whatever. But then when you get into playoffs and we finished first, so we played the eighth team and they had us on the ropes. We went game seven with them. So it just kind of goes to show like that the league is competitive. And I think it's, I think it's the low end teams that kind of give it a bad knock. But that being said, that team I played for in DBTK, like they've had lots of success playing in the continental cup, like every other year sort of thing. Um, I, I remember talking to V about they played when he played in Coventry, they played uh, in Tihi. And then I had the same story. We played in Tihi too. And like the fans are intimidating. They're just like, there was something else playing there. So how come you only stayed there for one season then? Was it just, you went there just for the one-off or what was the reason? Yeah, I, I went there kind of just to get my foot in the door in Europe. Uh, so I kind of as like a, a feeder, a feeder league. I'm going to move up. So that's, that was kind of my goal. And then, it, it did its job. I had I had lots of offers after that year, and I ended up moving to France. And uh, yeah, that was kind of my mindset. With the move to France, was that the best stuff on the table at the time? Because you, if you look at the status quo, the leagues around Europe, the Hungarian league seems to be a bit higher caliber. If you look at the stats, and um, I've never played the sports, I don't know myself. What did you feel with that? Oh no, no, no chance. The French league way better. Um, <laughs> it is, it's, uh, it's more professional. Like the league, the French league is getting, even since I first entered it, like better and better. And, uh, and I think the same goes for the UK league. Both those two le leagues are in my mind, they're kind of neck and neck. And I think they're just both like on the uprise right now. You look at, for me, if you look at the success, like UK had at the world championships like that goes to show it too but also the caliber of imports that that league's getting and, and the French league too like it's just I think it's I think it's really growing and it's really good and I think hopefully it's going to show in their grassroots hockey uh, more more kids get involved in hockey in both countries and, and that's that's going to really grow the game too. With the French league they tend to play less games over a season compared to most leagues in Europe was that a factor for moving over with previous injuries and or is it France was the best deal at the time for yourself as a player and you jumped at that um uh, yeah it, it, I wouldn't say it was like the best deal I think I had a better deal in Germany but it was it was kind of we were going for the experience and we wanted to see see what this was like and the city looked really nice and um it was really unique. Like in my contract, they offered me things like a, 
it's like a skiing town. So I had a snowboard and ski passes for me and my wife. And it was actually really strange looking back as I think of every other contract I've signed, there's stipulations, no extreme sports. Like you can't go skiing, but this one had in it. Yeah. Here's your skis. Here's your snowboard, like go on. But um, yeah, no, I guess, I don't know, actually, I think it was kind of one or the other Germany or France. And, and we went there and we really liked it. And, and then I did well on a below average team. And then I had some of the other big clubs in France offer me some good contracts the next year. And, and we moved over to Bordeaux, loved the city, loved the culture, loved the team. And we really enjoyed it. And, and uh, that's, what, that's kind of why we're back here this year. I'm going to say a, a solid first season with Chamonix, you were a top point scorer for them and then made the move across the Bordeaux. Um, with Chamonix, you were in a relegation battle that first year in France. You weren't in the second year with Bordeaux. Was that a reason for leaving Chamonix? Because it was a relentless dogfight or? Yeah, it was It was multiple things. I loved it there, like the city, everything, but not away from the rink. I loved it. Like the rink, it was just, they're a smaller budget team and they just didn't have enough money to buy the caliber players to keep them up. But that being said, they've done a good job, like bringing in value players now and they're doing a lot better, but no, I just said better, better contract offers and, and wanted to play on a better team. During them, your time in France, I'll just lead on you at top point score for both teams. But your plus minus seemed to be fading away, if to say. Was there a reason for that, or was it just wrong time on the ice? Uh, in, I don't know. Do I have a bad one in Bordeaux or in. Uh, it was negative one in, I'm going to say Chamonix, and minus six in Bordeaux. But you were scoring points hand over fist, yeah, yeah. over a point per game guy. Yeah. I mean, in Chamonix, I would say. If I was minus one, it's not that bad for an 11th place team. Uh, I mean, but yeah, at 50 points, like it's obviously not good. But um, that being said, I know in Bordeaux, like you're playing on a, a tighter team and when you're playing big minutes and I, we were like a 500 team. So when you're a 500 team, you're playing, we're, we're playing a lot of games from behind trying to tie up. Right. So say it's five, four, we pull our goalie. I'm always going to be out there six on five and I don't know the percentages on empty net goals, but like, yeah, we probably gave up maybe those six, six minuses. Uh, I'm on for this or um, stuff like that. I don't know. Like the plus minus for me is just indicative of your, your, your team success. Um, I mean, I'm not proud to have, have a, have a minus, but uh, I'd rather be like plus 30 or whatever, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think like, uh, our team last year were really successful. Some guys like like V had really like astronomically high plus minuses, and and that just I think that just comes with team success too, as well as being like putting up points and being strong defensively. We all know that hockey players talk before they make moves to different countries, different clubs, different teams within the own league. Previously in Hungary, you played alongside Grant Tallman, who played in Manchester, and you played with Tim Crowder in France. Did you reach out to these guys before you moved over to Britain, or did you reach out to anyone back home who's tested British seas already? Yeah, yeah, both of them. Um, no, I, hockey is that way. Like, you kind of have your offer, and then you go and you leave prospect. Like, where, like, 
who do I know that's on this team now or who do I know who played in the last couple of years? And then you ask them kind of the ins and outs, um, you know, like what, what bonuses can I get on my contract? Um, how's the coach? How's the apartments? Everything like that. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's how it is. And not just for, not just for the players, but for the coaches too. Like every year I have, you know, I talk to Stewie about guys uh, coming in for this year. Um, same thing in Chamonix. I think I put like, 12, 12 guys like I should probably start being a player agent so I can monetize some of these stuff. um but uh, agent fees but no it's 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 good and it's it's good when like a coach trusts my opinion of a player and they're gonna pursue him and no I'm kind of proud when somebody asked me asked me that and then it's the same thing when I ask a player before you did move to Coventry Blaze had a couple of seasons scraping into the playoffs last place finishes not making finals weekend did that have any consideration in the move did you look at the you wanted to join a club and move on forward that next step yeah yeah it it worried me a little bit but I knew I mean I really like Danny he's I think or Stewie he's really uh he's not a bullshitter like he's he's not gonna sugarcoat it like he told me exactly how it was and he told me like what he was planning for the year and how we're going to have success out of like some college guys are going to have to step up and we've got some good Brits. And, and I think like, I mean, he didn't tell me we were going to get Motsi and Motsi was going to be like on fire for the rest of the season, but, but that definitely helped. Um, but if I'm honest, like one of the biggest reasons I came there was uh, for the schooling program. And, and I think it was a huge bonus to play on such a great team so many great guys and have so much success and obviously I'm still like a bit gutted that the season ended because I would have loved to see how this season played out so you you agreed to join the blaze you turn up at the sky dome small ice fogged up glass at what <laughs> point do you go what have I done here <laughs> uh no I didn't have I didn't have that moment um I think maybe if I played in the league before and I saw the away dressing room. Maybe that would have changed my opinion, but no, everything was everything was good there, and I had a great, I had a great time playing. Touched on arenas there, and obviously going to places like Sheffield, Nottingham, Belfast, these massive arenas, massive fan bases, big eyes. Do you take a moment there and compare it to Skydome and ice back home, or is it just? I'm there, I'm playing the game. Um, I mean, I love, I love playing those rings. Like I love playing Nottingham, Sheffield, Belfast, like, yeah, Glasgow, like you're right. It's, it's a different experience when you have like more, more fans and that are more intense. But that being said in the Sky Dome, it's like, it's really intimate because the fans are kind of right on top of you when it gets really loud. Like when you pack it and when, when you're winning the game or anything like that, like it's, it's a lot of fun to play in the smaller rinks sometimes too. But, but yeah, when I, when I'm playing in like Nottingham or something, it, it reminds me of playing in the American league and I got to play a couple games, exhibition games in the NHL and you have like, I don't know, 10,000 fans for those. But then we played one um, AHL game in Philadelphia and there was, I think 15 or 17,000 at this game. So like, when you, yeah, when you're on the on the big rink with the big fans, like it's 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 
what an experience. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. You just touched on the Blaze fan base very loosely. They're a passionate bunch. They're not afraid to get behind the team, but also if there's a mistake made, they're not afraid to get onto the team's back. Um, how did you find the fan base? And did you feel the pressure when the chips were down a bit? Um, yeah, I really like I really like the fan base. Like it was something different. We were really like intimate. We always had like these booster booster nights, like meet the blaze nights. Um, it wasn't the, I can't remember the name. It wasn't the ladies' night, but like everybody came to this night. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, meet the fans kind of personally, and and I think it kind of is like a small small town community feel, and I, I really like that because you can see the same faces and, you know, like you ask them like how their kids are and stuff like this. And, and, um, but then, yeah, you're right. Uh, you could have the same guy that you just had a beer with last night. And he's like, I don't know. He's, he's telling you off like on the power play, like why didn't you shoot or something? But uh, no, nah, that's just hockey and you pay your ticket. You can yell at me. I, uh, I, I gotta be okay with it. When you uh, come across to, well, not just Britain, but any country, you've got the, the homegrown guys. When you came across the Blaze, how welcoming were the British guys? And were they a good aid for yourself? And did they teach you the ways of the city kind of thing, a good place to go? Or did they leave you to do your own thing? Oh, no, they were, like, really good ambassadors. Like, I mean, just off the top of my head, I remember, like, uh, Clem, he was going to school in Fed, too. So they were, like, showing us around... Um, all this and yeah show us around the city like show us around the locker room kind of uh, for especially for guys that never played in the league before too like kind of like how the schedule is going to work and all this so no they were they were really good really welcoming on to the actual hockey itself then the play season from my perspective was successful it was going in the right direction how did you find the season and was there a standout point for you where you went that's stands out above anything else um i mean for me the season was awesome um i think we had some struggles early on in the season and we just like caught fire as again as the year went on uh I, early in the year i remember a big win in glasgow i think we won like eight six absolute shootout that was one of the turning points for me and then we just had big wins against big clubs that, that just showed us that we could compete with them. Like we can beat Belfast, we can beat Sheffield, um, all this, but yeah, when we were on that 19 game point streak or whatever it was, uh, we just had this feeling in the locker room. Like we, like we were going to win every game. Like we weren't, uh, we weren't afraid to win and we just had this like swagger to us. And yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't get to play it out because we were, we were on fire and I think it would have been special to finish that season. You seem to enjoy yourself in Coventry with the players and around the rink. You always had a, a smile on your face. Is that, is that just Andrew Johnson's personality or was, did we bring that out a bit like you really, really wanted to have fun with the guys? Uh, uh, it's me for sure, but um, I think you're going to see a lot more of it when the team is successful and with the right group of guys too, like that bring it out and the right fans like that. So, but I mean, it is me. It, it comes out here. I just actually had a meeting with my coach telling me I need to be a little bit more intense because sometimes I'm smiling too much. I'm having too much fun sort of thing and I need to be hungrier to score goals, yada, yada. But uh, 
but no, uh, I, yeah, I guess it just shows the amount of fun I had playing there and, and, uh, yeah, playing with the guys. You seemed, uh, you, we've been, I'm going to blow your trumpet a little bit here, Andrew, but we <laughs> needed a, a sentiment like you for, for a good couple of years. You're, you're up and down the ice, you're scoring goals, uh, you play at a high tempo. Is there something different you do to keep your fitness up? Because obviously in our league, we don't really have a fitness coach and that sort of thing. So is there something you're doing that you're putting a little bit extra in to other guys? Not saying anyone else in our team, but yeah. are you hard on yourself to perform? Do yeah, what I'm saying? I am. I am uh, I'm pretty strict. Like in the off season, I'm still training. Like I'm on an NHL contract. Um I just, I just want to be the best I can be still. And like I said earlier, like I'm fortunate. Everybody who's playing pro, I feel like they're fortunate to play a child's game for a living. And I don't want to take that for granted. So I want to put, I just want to be the best I can be out there. But at the same time, I can't wait to listen to this and cut that audio clip and send it to guys like Ferreira and <laughs> I don't know, Clem or something. Well, we'll have a word from them, don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. So you were going back to France. That was announced quite early on. Was it always the plan to come do the school and then go back to France? Or did you just not know what, what was going to happen? Uh, I didn't know. Like, I, I wasn't sure. I, I knew I wanted to come to school. And then I, honestly, like the league kind of changed my mind. I wanted to stay uh, in Coventry in the league in some way. I really enjoyed it. I thought the hockey was like really, really good caliber. And it was just like a fun, really fun hockey league to play in. And I would like to come back. Um, the reason I came, the number one reason I came to France, back to France was just the uncertainty with COVID. And I know how the season ended in, in England and what happened kind of with their contracts and how they're structured. And I knew that there's no job security if the league doesn't go on next year, but with France or they're a more socialist country and I have, different guarantees written into my contract that ensure that I was going to get paid for the whole year as long as I signed. So um, that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of the leading, leading driver in coming back to France this year. Well, you've got to look after yourself and well, you've made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of uh, Bordeaux this year, uh, early on in the season, certain Mr. Ferrara pops up yeah. and plays a few games with you. Where were you, tapping up the coach to get him across how did that how did that one come about yeah yeah I was uh I was saying because we had an extra import spot like like this guy would like to come and I played with him last year we had really good chemistry like um like he, he's ready to come kind of thing and then uh one one player on my team his wife had their baby back in Canada so he would always had plans to go home for two weeks and there were some complications so it was going to be a month so my GM asked me if I knew anybody that would come in on a one month term basis. And like, there's so many guys that weren't playing at this time. Like he had lists of guys that played in the NHL last year, AHL, like, uh, and I don't know why he settled for feds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he asked and it was like, I talked to feds on Saturday. I think he was on the, he packed up Sunday. He was on the plane Monday and he was here. Um, but it was just tough because he, he was starting to play really good. And um, it, it was what it was. It was only a one month contract and there was nothing, their hands were tied. Like yeah. um, 
that sort of thing. But it, it was, it was tough that he had to go. We would have liked to keep him and he, he would have benefited us and that. And selfishly too, like I didn't, we didn't get a chance to play together here. So we didn't get a take off like we did in Coventry. And yeah. uh, it would have been nice to, nice to get some games in with him. Well, the one thing Luke needs to be doing this year is playing hockey, especially after last season. How's the league going? I mean, um, I think you've about 14, 15 games into the season. Has it been a bit stop start? Yeah, lots of this. Uh, I feel like it's the season of training camps. We had a, like six different like mini training camps throughout the year. There's been so many stops and starts. Like we had a month and a half one to start the year. Then half the team got COVID. We got shut down a couple of weeks. Come back, panic, train as hard as you can for two weeks before the season starts. Start the season, everything's going great. We're we have between a thousand, depending on the rink, it was a thousand and twenty four hundred in in one rink, I think, and up until November, and then uh, confinement came into France, so no fans. The league didn't want to play with no fans, so just a few TV games here and there for two months, and then we they got the league got a plan in place to play one game a week for the rest of the year and for a total of 22 games. So that's where we stand right now. We're just playing one game a week. Um, but it, it's kind of cool because it makes that one game like really intense and, and whatnot, but we're still in hopes like the league's still trying to figure out like a playoff structure, what we're going to do. Um, it doesn't look promising to us getting fans here, I would say, but uh, it, I mean, who knows? It would be exciting to play any sort of playoff, I think. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because I think recent form, you four wins out of five of one of them being an overtime win. What what month are you scheduled to be there up to and what sort of playoff format are they looking at? Yeah, um, so the season is going to end end of March, like March 26th. And then I think everybody's contract runs until like for the season contract runs until the end of April. So they have a full month to play like as many okay. as they can. So I think if we could get fans, we're going to play right up to April 30th, like as many as games as you can, but um, there's talks of playing kind of like a, I can't remember the name of the final four that's in Nottingham, like something yeah, like this, something or uh, I'm not sure, like kind of just wait and see and, and just kind of hope to play any any form of playoffs would be, would be nice. Um, but yeah, if if not, I guess we'll be done end of March. Just one last question on uh, the border: What's it like playing in an empty ring? It's uh, it's weird. Um, it's so quiet, like when the game's playing, and it, you guys would laugh if you said like it looks like I'm having fun because I'm like yelling and like you you can hear me like the other teams like like telling me off, like, yeah, we can hear everything you're saying, you know, but, uh, but also at the same time, you don't have a- any pressure, like on the power play, you know, when you're playing in a big ring, and, yeah, <laughs> this, you don't have that. So I don't know if it's good or bad. Maybe the shoot, sometimes it pays off. I, I, I haven't seen it personally, but sometimes it might. Um, but also at the same time, it's kind of like, there's no fans, but then there's like, I don't know, like two or 300 like staff somehow, like we need this many staff to come in and like get the game going or whatever. It's, 
So there is some people there, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not as fun without the fans. That's for sure. Yeah. I suppose pros and cons, the, yeah. the pros are you don't have to listen to the guy <laughs> at the back telling you what to do. And the cons are when you need a bit of jump, but yeah, yeah. but, but uh, no, there's, there's, uh, there's not many good things from playing with no fans. We're just coming towards the end for, for you now then, Andrew. Um, just a couple of things that have come up while the guys have been talking, some kind of questions that have sprung to my mind. So we'll go back to uh, Chamonix in the French uh, league when you first were there. Obviously, French Alps, like you've already touched upon, ski, kind of like a ski resort for a lot of people, bit of a getaway. You were pretty much told you could go and do some snowboarding, etc. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you run the risk? Let's... let's... Oh. Oh yeah, I was I was snowboarding a lot. Like I'd hardly even snowboarded before I went there, and uh, uh, we were going quite a bit. Like once, I would say like during the season, during the ski season, we were going like once a week, maybe sort of thing. Uh, if you have an off day, mm-hmm. even if it was just to go up, like instead of uh, I don't know, like in Coventry, like instead of like going to the pub or something, like maybe we would go up, take the lift up, and go do like a couple runs or something like. And it, I think it was really good. Like, as long as you're not going extreme, like taking big jumps and taking big risks, like you stay on the piece, whatever. Um, uh, it's like a good day off exercise as well. Good switch off then. Yeah. And then just kind of leading off from what Ash was saying, when you first come into Coventry, you've got the Brit boys, obviously you've got V and Clem, quite local to the club, obviously Clem's cob born bred. V's just down the road in Solly Hall. Then you've got your people like Luke as well. The kind of the joke is, and I don't know if you've ever heard it, um, North Americans, so Americans and Canadians don't understand what a cheeky Nando's is. Did the lads explain what a cheeky Nando's was? I mean, I know Nando's, but I don't know a cheeky Nando's. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so basically, a cheeky Nando's is you know when you you, sh- you do something you shouldn't do, so you're being quite cheeky about something. So like yeah. you probably coach has said, look, in early tonight, got a big weekend against. Nottingham double header don't go out don't have a drink so the lads end up going out having a couple of drinks down at Nando's <laughs> cheeky Nando's there you go I'm okay, surprised okay. I didn't tell you that <laughs> <laughs> no no there you go. <laughs> All right, good good I'm prepared so uh, just the one thing we always do is we put players on the spot so apologies in advance throughout your hockey career, I need you now to pick your starting lineup. So one netminder, two D-men and three forwards. This is anybody you've played with throughout your career. Like best players I play with or my favorite? Whatever you want it to be. If you want it just to be the locker room banter, then pick it on that. If you want it to be a team that you know will win a game, pick it on that. If you want it to mix it up. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to take... I hate to do this. I'll take Feds on the right. I'll take Yanni on the left. And I'll take Broler back left. And I'll take Ham uh, right D. And then in net, I'm going to take Headley. He needs yeah, it. you got to take Heads, haven't you? He needs it. Nobody takes him. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> he played well this weekend. He, he, Did he? he? Yeah, he's been playing for... Uh... Telford in this um, spring cup, as they're calling it. Good. The uh, Telford, Telford Tigers? Yeah, Telford Tigers. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 30, 37 shots saved off of 39 taken. So, and that two in, which is good. Wow. 
Um, I might have to chirp him on Instagram or something. No. <laughs> He's also deliver- delivering Domino's pizza, but we didn't tell you that. So if you. Want- <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Good stuff. <laughs> That's a solid British uh, Blaze lineup there. I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah. So, <laughs> what we're doing for you now, Andrew, is we'll just ask the other guys if there's anything that's come up, maybe from like Ross and Ash, while the others have been talking. So, Ross, have we got anything more from yourself? Uh, just one more. Um, I just want to know: uh, would we ever see you back in a Blaze jersey? I mean, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm going to be back for sure, but I would be open to open to it. Um, I think it's so hard to even prepare any team, try and prepare like their budget, even for next year. Like everything is just so up in the air, like with this whole situation, nobody has fans and all this. So, I mean, yeah, anything could happen, I would say. Good to hear. Uh, Scott, any more from yourself? Just uh, you put in... Larkin in on that line with yourself. What what was he like uh, on the ice for you? Because for us, we've not had someone of that prowess with that vision for a while, and it was a joy to watch. Yeah, I mean, from the start, like kind of when the three of us went together, we just we just clicked. Like everything went really well. Like we kind of thought this the game the same way, and Yanni just has like really good vision. Um, and yeah, it was a pleasure to play with him. Like he, he finds you and you end up getting the pass, like in a spot that you wouldn't think you'd normally get this. And uh, I mean, he has a lot of experience, obviously. Um, he's played in, he played in the Finnish league. Like he's played in kind of high leagues across Europe and had a lot of success. So um, I mean, there's a lot to learn from him. And yeah, he was just a great player to play with, I guess. Ash, we've got any more from yourself? Nothing more from me, thank you. So on that note, the only thing I can really say now is thank you, Andrew, for taking your time out this evening to join us uh, on the podcast. Uh, It's been a good, obviously, trip down memory lane for yourself and uh, some good stories coming out of it. So to listeners listening in, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Third Period Podcast. Hopefully we're all back in a nice rink soon watching some hockey and uh, hopefully Andrew's back in a blaze blue at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to the third period of podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to check out Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs.